We're learning Bischus Menucharachal Bas Yitzchak Yehuda, whose yard site is tomorrow, and her neshama Shahab and Aliyah from all of the learning and the good works that are being done now and always in her schus. Bahar Lagba Emer. Alpi Haminuk, the Rebbe says, in accordance with the Minuk, with the tradition, Lilmuit Pirke Aves Bishabasa Shabim Pesach Lishvuas, to learn Pirke Aves on the on the Shabbos in between Pesach and Shavuos, Perak L'Shabbos, each Shabbos we learn another Perak. Hine Bechama V'Kama Shonim Mizdamin Ki B'Shonu Zu L'Lmoit Perak Revi B'Shabbos Parshas Bahar. So it occurs from time to time, like it does in this year, that we learn Perak Revi, the fourth Perak, on this Shabbos during which we read Bahar, the Parshas Bahar. And because everything in Torah, including the minhagim of Torah, is very, very precise, it's exact. Move on to what's understood from that. That this fourth chapter of Pirkei Avais has shaychus leparshas bahar shekarim b'shabazu. Has a very distinct connection to Parshas Bahar, which is read on the same Shabbos when we learn Perak Ravi, In addition, certain years, and in certain years, Lag falls out during this week where we're learning Parshas Bahar, which is what happens this, this year. And in accordance with, uh, with the famous words of the Shalah, that there is a specific connection between the Yom Tov and the Parshas HaShavua during which it falls. Move on. So from all of this, it's understood that Lag Ba'emer is connected to Parshas Bahar, and therefore it's also connected to the fourth chapter of Pirkei Avos. And we find, in fact, in this Perak, in Mishnah Yud Gimel of Perak Ravi, we find a teaching from Shimon Bar Yochai, who of course is the, the chief protagonist of, of Lag Ba'imer, and the Mimer, uh, the, 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 the Mishnah reads as follows. There are three crowns. There's the crown of Torah, there's the crown of priesthood, Kahuna, and there's the crown of sovereignty, of kingship, Malchus. And then Rabbi Shema teaches. And then there is the crown of a good name, which supersedes all of them. And Lag Ba'emer is, of course, the day of passing of the Rashbi. And he taught us that it's a Yom Hahilula. It's like a wedding. The Neshama is reunited with its source. And um, so it's the day, Lag Ba'emer is the day of the Rashbi. We might say, We might say that the reason for why Dafka in this parrot, which falls out in this parsha and falls out in convergence with Lagba Oimer, that this of all the things that, that the Rashbi taught, this is what we have here. 
And the Rebbe says that in general, Asher Bechol Perak Mepirke Hamasechto Shabashas Niskar Abshimon Bafilu Bekelim Ubenegoim Uboksin. The Rebbe says it's not like the Rashbi said just a few things. It's, it's wondrous that this particular teaching makes its way into this parak, which is read in convergence with Parshas Bahar and in convergence with Lag Ba'imer, which is Yom Helu of the Rashbi. How wondrous is it? Well, Rabbi Shimon was so prolific that there isn't one parak in one Mesechta that doesn't have a teaching that's attributed to him. So we're talking a huge amount. And of all of those teachings, this one falls out here. Ira, it happened, Shalom to Dafka Maimer Zed Rabshim and Bayochai, Besmichas Layam Haylul Shaloi. So it happens that we learn Dafka, this teaching, in close proximity to his Hilula. And what do we know about the Ayyartzite? What do we know about Hilula? Kasher, Kol Masa, Viterosai, Vavadasai, Asher Abad, Kol Yemei Chayev, Aimdim, Bishlei Musam. Altreb explains that on the Yom Hilula, on the day of the Histalkos, all the work and all the Torah and all the deeds that were done by a particular person come to fruition on the day of the Yartzai. Kiyadua, as is known. And why, and so why is this teaching of all of his teachings found in this parak, which is read in close proximity to his Yom HaHilua, Lihilula, Lefisha B'maymazah, Bali Debitu Iker in Yonei Shal Rashbi. So Rabbi said this teaches us, that is Dafka through this teaching, that all of his main energy, his main Avaita, his main Indian is encapsulated and is expressed through this particular teacher, teaching. now. And based on the above, and we said above, according to the Shalah, every Yamtiv is connected to the Parsha that, that is Bismichus to that Yamtiv. So Lagba Emer has a special connection to Parsha's Bahar. And therefore, Mistaber, it's logical, so there's a three way connection between Lagba Emer, Parsha's Bahar, and um, the, the, the Mishnah, the Parsha, and the Yom Tov of Lag Ba'imer. Base. The Chlolos Parsha Seinu Matsinu Beis Ktsavos. So to begin to analyze this connection and how it expresses itself, the Rebbe says, first of all, I want to draw your attention to the fact that generally speaking, we have two kind of extremes in this Parsha. Tchilas Parsha Hebe Mitzvah Shemitah. We start with the Mitzvah of Shemitah. Shekiyuma Hu Be'eretz Yisrael. Shemitah can only be observed in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Eretz And it's, it's um, observed in Eretz Yisrael, which is about settling down, coming like, as, a, as opposed to when the Yidin were in the Midbar, they came to Eretz Neshevis. They came to settle in the land. Hanhaga Alpiteva. This was not a, um, you know, uh, above Teva existence. This was Alpiteva. So much so that the Torah gives voice to what the Jews might have felt as they approached the, the Shnas HaShemitah. So, so, 
So it's not that they're living this uh, kind of himmelish uh, uh, existence. They're, li- they're living in the, in the midbar and everything's raining down from above and their clothes is growing with them and so on and so forth. No, they're living a natural life in a physical, temporal existence, so much so that they ask, what will we eat? <laughs> the Shasa Shemitah is coming, what will we eat? This means that they really didn't understand how they're going to be able to observe this mitzvah. So we begin with Shemitah, and after this, we, it's explained that Nemru al-Haseder, Rashi explains that in a certain order, there's a trajectory of Parsha Seinu in our Parsha. Parsha shall Yerida Acha Yerida Chas V'Shalom. The Parsha now mentions or delineates ways in which the Jews would devolve from a status where they're keeping Shemitah, which takes a very high level of emuna v'chulei v'chulei. And now the Parsha goes into um, ways in which they will descend Kedivri Chazal, like the Gemara explains in Gedushin, that the different themes that are mentioned in this parsha kind of explain the, the downward trajectory that is possible uh, in a person's life. It begins, the Gemara says, with falling in this mitzvah of Shemitah, of not keeping Shemitah properly. And then they go from Nadir to Nadir, from, from low point to low point, until they come to the lowest point of all, when a Jew sells himself to a non-Jew, and further degenerates, and Rashi explains this means, uh, is, is, is a distinctive term, we don't find it, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we find it anywhere else. And it comes from the Edaman, from the Sherish La'akor to uproot, because it's a, it's a kind of behavior that should be uprooted. And what is this? A Jew that sells himself, not only sells himself into a non-Jewish family, a non-Jewish environment, but he sells himself and then begins to facilitate Avedizara. Uh, he begins to be a water carrier and to chop wood for the purpose of serving other deities, the Hainu. Loi dai that a Jew would sell himself to a non-Jew, but this kind of Jew even sells himself again to facilitate Abayi Zara. And, and this is a massive, this is a situation. The um teaches, Rashi explains, that a person that sells himself into a non-Jewish environment the person might begin to think that since my, here the word Rebbe is being used for master, since my master does Gilei my master serves Avedizaras, since my master is Mechal Shabbos, I should also do such things. In other words, we see that the, the Parsha starts with Shemitah. Shemitah is clearly an observance that takes a very high level of amuna and, and connection to the Ebeshter v'chulei v'chulei. And then the Parsha starts talking about all kinds of negative behaviors that a Jew might uh, engage in and, and culminating in even selling themselves for the purpose of Avodah But even if they stopped short of that, if they sold themselves into a non-Jewish environment, 
they might begin to replicate the behavior around them. So that's on one hand. And on the other hand, so on the one hand, the Parsha seems to be talking about degenerative spiritual behavior. And on the other hand, this is all included in a Parsha that is called Bahar, but it's not just any mountain, it's Bahar Sinai. This is an elevated and transcendent place, it's a place where the Torah was given. And at this place, at, at this har, B'nai Yisrael, we're in a place of complete elevation, in, in, in the quintessential elevation. And they were completely elevated from anything having to do with the world. How much? Even more than when they were in the midbar. And we know in the midbar, they were completely kind of divorced and divested from physical engagement. And the Rebbe says that Harsinai was so much more. So when they were Bahar, it's the opposite of being settled in a physical land. So the Parsha has these diametrically opposing themes. Uh, we have the idea of Bahar Sinai, completely elevated. And then you have the delineation of ways in which a Jew might chalila fall. And what's the explanation? The Rebbe says, that's exactly the point. Because because the tachlis of Matan is not that the Jews should stay in this elevated, exalted status. With no um, connection to the world the way it is. But on the contrary, they should go into the settled land. And they should engage in a natural way of life. And this natural way of life, by definition, gives uh, opportunity for all of these actions um, that would cause dissent on their part. But what's the point? But it's through the kayak of Har Sinai that we are able to surmount and overcome the obfuscation of the Abishter that, that we are confronted with in the natural world. In the brackets. It's true that the Helem, that the, the obscuration of Hashem through the natural world gives place for there to arise the question, what will we eat during the Shana's Hashemitah and then for the years afterwards? Because in the, in the existence that we live, our, our normal default is that we don't rely on Nisim. We don't rely on, on miracles. We, we have to work. But, but the name of the Parsha, Bahar, we come from Bahar Sinai, we come and we are always really coming from that place. And this gives us the power to strengthen ourselves and to be sovereign over the natural world that we confront. 
The Abishtah promises that I'm going to give you in the sixth year of the Shemitah cycle, you will already see a tremendous bracha. Hainu, this means even before the Shnasa Shemitah arrives, then the Jewish farmer can already see that he has enough food to last for three years, even before the Shnasa Shemitah comes. And even regarding the Jew who might sell himself to a non-Jew, and, and naturally, when you sell yourself to a non-Jewish owner, you become his asset. And so much so that there is place for you to think, I will become like him. And still and all, but the Torah Parshas Bahar, saturated with the energy of Har Sinai, the Torah says, no, 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 loy sasu. You can't engage in this. Hainu, shebinyane yadus ein la'af echad shlita al ish Yisrael. And when it comes to Yiddishkeit, nobody, not even the owner of a Jewish slave, has shlita, has sovereignty, has ultimate authority over a Jew. In other words, no matter where we are and who we are, Nobody can quell our true energy, which is the Har Sinai energy. And now understanding this by way of introduction, we can now approach uh, to understand the content and the true novelty in what Rav Shimon Bar Yechai is teaching in Mishnah Yud Gimel of Eric Dalit. And he teaches Gimel Kesarim Haim, that there are three crowns, Taira, Kahuna, and Malchus, the Chesar Shemtav Ayla Al and the crown of a good name surmounts them all. What does this mean? The Chesar Shemtav Hainu Shemtav Shazaychaloy Adam Aybe Masim Tavim. How does a person acquire a good name? Through their Masim Tavim, through their good deeds. So who is Rav Shimon Bayechai? What do we know about him? Famously, the Gemara describes him as Tairasai Omnasai. Taira was his business. It was his craft. It was his line. It was, it was what defined him. It wasn't something he did. It was Omnasai. It was his craft. And so whenever the the Gemara wants to, or the, or the Paiskim want to bring an example of a person who is completely engaged in Torah learning, they bring the Rashbi and his, and his friends as exhibit A. So it's very significant that, that it's the Rashbi who is saying, notwithstanding the fact that Torah is the greatest thing, and he's, and he's not just talking about We're talking about Torah in its fullest extent. A person who studies Torah to the exclusion of all else. And yet such a person, the Rashbi says, Still and all, Masim Tevim, which is expressed in the Indian of Keser Shem Tev, is the highest thing. Why? 
Shetavi Lamasim Toivim Hapoyalim Ba'ilam. Because the tachlis of Torah study is that it should bring to good deeds that affect this world. Okay, that was kind of very generally. Now the Rebbe is going to put his microscope on this. Gimel. But it would seem that uh, we can't just accept this. We have to really understand this. It necessitates and it demands explanation. It would be one thing if you're talking about most people in the world. People for whom Torah is not their exclusive occupation and preoccupation. It is not their vocation and avocation. In the main, they are not busy with the Torah. And like the Gemara itself tells us, a lot of people were able to replicate the teacher Rabbi Yishmael that you should do, you should have a business and you should study Torah. But also be yadan, and and they were able to do it. It was they were successful. Kirab Shimon Bar Yechai, those that tried to replicate Rab Shimon Bar Yechai, that Terasim Nasei, that he does it to the exclusion of all else, v'loy also be yadan, and they were not successful. Nishkeganget, because it, it's not something that most people could do. So. It would be one thing, we're going back to the beginning, if we're talking about most of the world. Those people for whom Torah is not their only thing. The main thing is not Torah. Here we went past the parentheses, but they belong, or, or they, yeah, they belong to the category. They are best described as people of good deeds. Myre Uvdin Tavin, people of good deeds. Move on, so it's understood. Shalagabehem, so it's understood that if you're talking about people of good deeds, for them, their good deeds is a distinguishing factor. It's even higher than the tire. They don't learn a lot of tire. So for them, but how can you apply this? How can you possibly say this? That he was a man, that this is all he did. And he is a Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. What do we know about Rabbi Akiva? And the famous back and forth in the Gemara about what is greater, Talmud Torah or Maise. So we know that the conclusion is, Gadol but Rabbi Akiva opined that Gadol Torah, without even that should be Mevi Ledei Maise. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was a student of Rabbi Akiva, and not just any student, right? We know that after Rabbi Akiva, I mean, I, I think about this so much. After Rabbi Akiva lost 24,000 students, and he was already not a young man, started again from scratch with five Talmidim. And one of those was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And, and he had the, the staggering task of conveying all of the Torah to these five Talmidim. So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was a Talmud of Rabbi Akiva who said that Torah is the main thing, Talmud Gadol. So how can we possibly understand the statement of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? Look at who his Rebbe was. Look at who he was. So what does it mean when he says, 
Gam al gabe kesetayra. Can it really be? And even though we understand, of course, that the Rashbi never felt that the only thing you should do is learn Torah. Of course, he, uh, he agreed and taught and understood that there, that there is necessity to do Masam Torah. And even more so, the Rishalmi brings down, doesn't Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai agree? Doesn't he acknowledge that you have to stop learning Torah in order to sukkah? Of course he does. But still in all, it would seem that the understanding of this Yerushalmi is that even a person who that um, that his whole life is all about learning Torah. That it's also for this person chas to miss out on a mitzvah that has to be done. Rabbi says That's explanation. I see that there's something in the chat. So one second. So the question is, it's Rabbi Akiva who said that Avas Yisrael is klal gadol b'tayra, and that's more masentayv. So. I think that question will be answered through through what the Chabad is going to explain here. Um, but in general, I think the Chabad is pointing out that there's people who who are exhibit A of certain things. And it doesn't mean that, that Rabbi Akiva didn't say that Avas Yisrael is a very important thing. It doesn't mean that Shem Bar Yechai didn't say that, of course, you have to be mafsik from learning Torah to build a sukkah. But what did they stand for? When you looked at them, what, what did you see? If you would cut their vein, what would flow? Um, and so in both of these cases, it's terror. So it's kind of like terror to the second power. So how is it possible that Dafke, Reb Shimon Bar Yechai, should say that Keseh Shem Tav Eila Al just like people who, in the main, their thing is about masim teivim. They they are mechoyev to learn Torah. Al kolpanim at the very least. Perik echad shachris, perik echad arvis. A little bit in the morning, a little bit at night. Aval mahu ha So, if we would explain it, that Shem Baruchai is simply saying you also have to do mitzvahs. Good, we understand. Just like people who are mostly doing mitzvahs also have to learn Torah. But the Rebbe says, But how do we really understand this, this Mishnah? It's one thing to say you can't just always be exclusively in the lane of Taira or only in the lane of Masam Taivim because a Yid has to learn Taira and do mitzvahs. That's one thing. But the Rebbe is pushing back. He's saying it's not so simple to understand what the Rashbi is saying here, that even for a person who still there's something, there's a mila that's even higher in Ma'asim Tevim. This has to be understood. Dalit. It would seem we might be able to explain it in the following way. That what the Rashbi is saying is understood from looking at the larger context of the Yerushalmi that the Rebbe quoted about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai acknowledging that you have to be mafsik and learning in order to build a sukkah. 
Because after the Gemara asks the question, doesn't Rav Shimon Bar Yechai acknowledge that you have to stop learning Torah in order to make a sukkah? The Gemara continues, Again, a rhetorical question. Wouldn't Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai agree that you have to learn in order to do? The, for, because the person that learns not to do, it's better that he shouldn't be created. Strong words. So from the larger context of the Gemara, it's understood. That the reason that you have to stop learning in order to build the sukkah, it's not only because it's necessary to do mitzvahs, but there's something more. When you look at the full, like kind of limut from the Gemara, that's teaching us that a person that learns not for the purpose of doing, it's better that he shouldn't be born. We see that the tachlis halimud is maisa mitzvahs. So from this alone, it's understood that there is an importance and there is um, an advantage to the mitzvahs that's higher than Torah. But the Rebbe says, but <laughs> that doesn't answer my question. But the truth is that this would actually accentuate the question of how could the Rashbi say this? Why? Because Rabbi Shimon taught that you have to stop learning in order to do the mitzvah. But the Rebbe says, but in truth, it's not because the mitzvah is greater than the learning. It's because it's because the only way your learning of Torah could be proper is if you stop to do mitzvahs. Because if this is not a person who's going to stop learning Torah in order to do mitzvahs, in other words, if it's not going to translate into mitzvahs, then there is a deficit in the learning itself. So it would seem from this Gemara in Yerushalmi, the emphasis is not on the greatness of the mitzvah, the emphasis is on the greatness of the learning. And what is the litmus test of, 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 the, of the learning? If it's, if it's taka the right way, it's if the person stops and does the mitzvah. But the emphasis is on the quality of the learning. And like it is explained elsewhere at great length, and you can see in the footnote tells you where in the Kutisichas you can look this up. When you look at the terminology that the Al Rabbi uses in his Shulchan Aruch about learning Torah, for, um, where he discusses the reason why a person must stop their learning of Torah to do a mitzvah if it can't be done by anybody else. Because this is what we're all about. This is why we're in this world. Like our chachamim taught in brachis, that the point of chachma is to do tshuva and to engage in good deeds. And this is a person whose entire learning is, uh, for, uh, you know, called is called into question. 
The Alter Rebbe's intention here is to teach us that the reason you have to stop learning in order to fulfill a mitzvah, because this is the whole point of learning Torah. And therefore, and if he doesn't do this, and it comes out, look what the Rebbe is underscoring, his whole learning is called into question because this means if he can't stop in the middle of learning Torah to do a mitzvah, especially one, a mitzvah that cannot be done by anybody else. The problem is not only that he didn't fulfill the mitzvah, so if this is what's going on, so now the Rebbe says, So what the Yerushalmi is saying there is that the, the main completion of Chachma, of Torah, expresses itself in the Tshuva Namasam Torah. But the Pshat is not that the mitzvahs and the Tshuva are higher than Torah. The pshat is that the Torah ultimately has to express itself in them. And so once we understand that properly, now the questions come back exactly to in, in their great strength that we had to begin with, which is The Rashbi doesn't say that this all expresses itself in, in, in Shem Toiv, in Masim Toivim. He says that Masim Toivim is Oila Al Gabehen. And the Rebbe says, you might think that you could explain this by that Yerushalmi, but the Rebbe says, no, 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 that Yerushalmi actually only deepens the question. It only underscores the question. Hey, Habir Bazer. So the Rebbe says, explanation is as follows. Me'ach ha'shekavonos habriya. Once we understand that our point of departure is always that the intention of creation was to make this world, the Oilam Milashon Helem, into a dear Loyisbarach, move on, it's understood. Then it's understood that there are many modalities that are needed to fulfill this kavana. Not only do we, of course, have to do the mitzvahs, and the mitzvahs are, of course, notably done with, with physical matter, but there also has to be the study of Torah. And there also has to be the study of Torah and this very, very singular and exalted level where that's all the person does. And this has to be done. And this is done by those who are completely divested from this world. And and the tachlis of both the mitzvahs and the Torah and even Torah is to make the dear for the Ebeshter. And one of the ways of understanding this, there's a very important axiom that we're taught in Gemara Brachas. 
a person who is incarcerated cannot free themselves. Somebody else has to come with a key and open up the jail cell. And therefore, if Jews would only have access to Aveda that is in this world, then we would not be able to refine and elevate the world from its situation of obfuscation of the Ebeshter. In other words, we have to come from a higher place in order to transform this place. We cannot be of this place. And therefore, we have to both be in this world, but we also have to have the tnua, we have to have the modality of transcendence. We have to be higher than the world. And the kayach for us to transform the world comes from transcending the world, and that comes more specifically from the people who embody this energy and this modality of Tairasam Umnasam, that all they do is study Tairasam. The point of having these people is that they should um, affect all of B'nai Yisrael with this energy. They're also the people who are people of good deeds, meaning the pedestrians. That these people, who most of the day are busy with other things, that during the time that al they have to dedicate to learning Torah, Shachris Arvis, at least a little bit of time in the morning, a little bit of time at night. So when they do their studying, and for them, it's taka a little bit, a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the evening. But But when they learn, it doesn't matter how much they're learning, but when they learn, so yes, quantitatively, maybe they're learning one mission in the morning and one mission in the evening. But while they're learning, their learning should be suffused with the same quality of those who tairasam umnasam. And because they have nothing else going on except learning tairam, meaning they have no other daikas, they have no other worries, they're not preoccupied with anything else. And that same energy should suffuse the learning of the people who are mari uftintavin, people, people of good deeds the water carrier, the, the, the wood chopper, etc. Now the Rebbe goes to address the other side. How is it possible in order for somebody who taketh all this person does is learn tire? They're completely divorced and divested from everything in this world. How are they going to be to cut themselves away Lenatek means to like cut yourself off. How are they going to cut themselves off from their learning? And dedicate themselves to um, to 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 um, 
influencing others. So the Rebbe says, it's not enough that they should think about this during the time that they allot to doing things with somebody else. I'm just going to say one thing that I felt like coming out of this paragraph was I was saying, you know, this doesn't work if you can't be real. You know, like if somebody feels that you're doing this vegan, okay, every day I'm going to take 15 minutes and I'm going to look how I could influence somebody else. It's not going to work. And this is in general true in life. It's not like you could just switch yourself on in one second and say, okay, now I have to do this. Unless it's something that's completely mindless and you don't need your heart, you don't need your mind for it. You know, you could do it with your hands. Okay, that you don't need a preamble. You don't need a preface. But if you've got to do something real and you want it to be effective, you have to prepare for this. The Rebbe says it's not enough that you should just be in this mindset during the time that you've allotted to, to um, kind of be interfacing with another person. Because if this is the way it's going to be, because if this person with no pause will always just be solely invested in learning, it's very plausible. It's possible that this person will not be able to truncate themselves from learning they will not be able to get themselves to learn and to be busy and to interface with a person who is on a lower level than their level of time. It's not something that you could just flip a switch. The lachain, and therefore, sarich limur hatayr gufa. The limur hatayr itself, liyais chador bekavanazu. It has to be saturated and suffused and pervaded with this intention. Shetachlis halimud, at the main point of the limud, is in order to affect the world. Gam bezulas, which also expresses itself in other people. Yes, Taka, okay. He is a person who learns tire. That's his craft, that's his business, that's, that's his vocation, and that's his hobby. But still, even this person, his tire learning has to be completely suffused with the understanding that it's all in order to be pale on the world. In the brackets, like we learn about Rabbi Akiva, his great Maila, the famous story in the Gemara about Arba, the four people went into Pardes, and only Rabbi Akiva went in in peace and came out in peace, meaning unscathed. Uh, one, one lost his mind and one died and one became uh, a heretic. But he came out B'Shalom. The Rebbe says, the reason he was able to leave unscathed was because he went in Bishalom. He went in complete. He went in properly. Because going into Pardes, going into these deep levels of Torah was a of was a modality of Ratsui, of running, of running towards Getlachite, running towards Elokuz to godliness. But his ratzoi, hayitzia mina oilam, his leave taking from the world, haysa bishalom. What does it mean? It wasn't peace. It was whole. It was complete. 
it was mitech kavana. It was with the intention sherotsui hazeh yavi akachachakach l'shoiv la'elam that he was only running towards godliness with the intention of coming back into this world. And because that intention was there from the start, the Rebbe says it's the same thing with how Torah learning has to be, even by those who are And so now we could um, understand the Yerushalmi that the Rebbe cited above even more deeply where the Yerushalmi speaks about how even the Rashbi conceded that, yes, you're mafsik learning Torah in order to build a sukkah. So the Rebbe says, now we can understand it even more fully and deeply. And then the Yerushalmi says, we might understand this now, that in these words of the Yerushalmi, the Kavana is to teach us, not only that Rashbi practically stopped learning in order to build a sukkah, and not only that the tachlis of learning has to be to do. Those two things we already learned in an earlier seif. But now the Rebbe is adding, that the learning itself has to be only for the reason of doing. I don't know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say only, but should be with a primary intent of doing. When you're learning, Bishas mice of the learning, it has to be understood, it has to be clearly recognized, it has to be felt that the kavana is in order to do. The imlay came, because if not, because if he doesn't begin to learn Torah with this mandate, with this kavana, it might be impossible for him to tear himself away. Zion. Now the Rebbe says, and here you might ask a question. It's one thing if you're talking about a person who is not completely dedicated to learning Torah. This is not a person who's completely divorced from everything having to do with the world. So for this kind of person who has a lot of things going on in their life, a lot of areas of foci, we could understand that while he's learning Torah, he could also have in mind things that have to be done and other people and so on and so forth. But we're talking here about the Rajbi. The Rajbi is a person that would presumably be learning with laser-like focus. How is it possible that simultaneously as he is completely invested in a learning of, of such concentrated focus, to 
that he should at the same time be thinking about people who are gathering their grain and so on and so forth. These are mutually exclusive. It's two things that are antithetical to each other. How is, how, how is it possible? And the explanation is, this very idea, this very concept, that the modality of leave-taking, and in fact, running away from this world, and the, and the modality of returning, of remaining tethered and within this, to and tethered in this world, the whole idea that these are antithetical to each other, this is only if you're talking within the limitations of a person. And the whole the, the chain-like uh, devolution of godliness in this world. In other words, you're talking within a set structure and framework. But however, but a Jew is always higher than parameters, than delineation, than constriction and containment. And to say this very simply, when a yid completely abnegates themselves to the desire and the will of Hashem, and everything they do is in this way, in this style, when you take yourself out of the equation, and it's all about the Ratzon Hashem, then Ratzai and Shu, which seem to be diametrically opposing modalities, are all the same. Rabbi says, I'll give you another example of this concept. Right? The Gemara and Bracha says that a shliach is like the person who sent them. Eved melech melech. The, the, the uh, servant of a king is a king himself. And this is true, whether the shliach is engaged in things that are king-like. In other words, they're exalted uh, shlichasen that this person is doing on behalf of the king. But it's also true when they're doing much more pedestrian things that are more kind of in the category of a shliach or a, or a servant. In other words, in the razzle-dazzle, in the, in the more exalted aspects of the shlichas, in the, in, in the, in the parts where you mamish feel like you're representing a king, but it's just as true in the nitty-gritty, in, in the cooking the pasta. The Yisera Mizu, and even more. Mitzat Atzmusa Yisbarach, when you're talking on the level of Atzmus, Asher Hunaisa Hafrim, and of course, Atzmus contains diametrically opposing paradigms. It's Naisa Hafrim. Yechelet Liskayim Beis Hatnuas Bevas Achas. So not only are both modalities true, but they can, they can exist at the same time. 
Therefore, when you could have a person who is just Teda, that's all. It's all they're doing. But if they're doing it because it's, it's Geschmack for them, they're doing it for their reasons, and they're doing it for their pleasure, and this person cannot at the same time have this chnua, this modality of shayv, of thinking about the world, of thinking about another person. When you learn, because the Abishter told you to learn, and you're doing it in order to fulfill the intention of atzmos, of the Abishter, which is for dear b'tachtainim, then, yes, both things can happen at the same time. He could be completely invested and immersed in the Torah. At the very same time, and at the same time, to know that the tachlis of his learning is to go down from his exalted perch, from his ivory tower, and to be mashpia on people who are busy with other things. Ches. hanal matzinu rashbi. And we find this by the rashbi. Isa b'gemara. Those people are of the same vintage as I am. Uh, you know, you remember the song that we learned in school of our Shema Bar yeah, that whole uh, thing. So the Rebbe is referencing um, when he left the cave in which he was sequestered for 12 years. And he saw people plowing, plowing and sowing. Omar, he said, Look at these people. They're, they're taking leave of eternal life in order to be busy with, with, with transient life, with, with physical life. And the Gemara says, wherever they set their eyes, it got burnt. There's different ways of explaining this, not physically, spiritually, but, but they weren't able to make peace with people living in a physical, temporal existence. After Nebisha said, go back into the cave till you understand the world and the people I love. Only after that 13th year, so still Rabbi Elazar, the Gemara says that Rabbi Elazar was still um, burning people. But Rabbi Shimon brought them back to life. He revived them. And he told his son, Omar Lein, or the Rashbi said to Rabbi Elazar, Bini, you have to understand that it's enough for the world that you and I will be completely shakua, completely invested in Torah learning. You have to let people live. You have to stop looking at people with that fire coming out of your eyes. Hadiyuk. So the Rebbe says, now let's look specifically at these words. It's enough for the world. And in terms of those who involve themselves in Torah, that is me and you. What does this mean? 
to say that what the Rashbi was saying to his son is it's enough for only us two to learn Torah. No. It's enough for the world that me and you will engage in this exclusive pursuit of Torah. That's enough. It's enough to pile on the rest of the world. Okay, this is, this is a different fetch. Not only is it enough that there should be two people that do this, but it's enough to affect the whole world. That everybody in the world should be affected and should be, um, you could say, infected positively with, with this tnuah. Be'esh we might say, and the Rebbe says, and we might say that this is alluded to in the difference between 12 and 13. Because Mispar Yudbeis, because the number 12, because 12 has to do with chain-like devolution, with structure. Yudbeis Rashi Chadashim, there are 12 months. So is the idea that um, every space, every structure has six sides, right? So there's the, the four sides and then there's above and below, okay? So every room has four walls, it has a floor and it has a ceiling, okay? So those are the six sides. And then when you go in the diagonal from corner to corner, you have the 12 vule alachsen. So this is an idea um, that's spoken of and expressed itself in many different ways, including the fact that the gvule alachsen also inform the way in which the midas, the spheres operate. So we have the six emotive spheres. We have chesed, gvur, and teferis. Then we have netzach, and yesoid. So those are the six sides, as it were. They create emotive structures. And then you have the gvule alachsen, the way in which they inform each other. And they, um, they, 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 they operate in symbiotic fashion. Ve'ilu yud gimel, so that's all yud beis. Yud beis is all about structure and parameters and delineation. But yud gimel hu l'mayla mehishashlos. But 13 is about transcendence. So mitzad bechinas yud So when you're talking 12, when you're talking seder hishtalshlos, madrega shabar ratzoi b'shoiv heim hafchim. And within hishtalshlos, within delineation, within parameters, yes, it's true that ratzoi and shoiv are opposites. They're opposing. <clears throat> and therefore, ha'amirahi, and the way in which it was expressed, from, from by, by, by the Rashbi is he was shocked to see people who would set aside eternity for the here and now and be reaping and plowing and whatever people do in, agri- in agrarian pursuit. He was shocked because there were two different things, two separate things, two diametrically opposing things. In Ishtalshlis Taka, there's no connection. It's not possible that by those who plow and sow, that they should actually be dedicated to Chaya'ilam. But when you go to transcendence, when you go to the number Yud Gimel, 
Here, after the 13th year, 13 being the number of transcendence, now Reb Shimon revived the world. And not only loy precious when he took my ulam, not he separated and cut himself off from the world, elder Adar Abba, and the Rebbe gives a new shot in Masay Reb Shimon, not only he revived, but he healed the world from its default malady, which is Helem. He saturated this world with its new, with the modality of of being involved in tests. And now the Rebbe circles back finally and, and answers the question, how could it be that Shimon Bar Yechai should say that Kes Hashem Tev Oyla Al Gabehim? Because the innermost intention of mass and taifim within is all about dedicating yourself to other people. Because ultimately, even those who are all about taira, it has to be about mass and taifim. And that's why Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai was able to say yes, irrespective of the fact that I am all about Torah, Torah but Shem Tev, which is a result of Masim Tevim, has to be Oila Al When, in addition to learning oneself, with Keser Torah, the Rebbe already explained earlier in the Sikha, the Keser is always the highest point. So it's, this is not just a person that learns Torah. This is Keser Torah. This is Torah. This is all this person does. But on top of that, Yeshna Al Gabehen, there is something that is even higher. Gam Keser Shem Hainu, this means, Shekeser Torah Gufa, Valderze Keser Guna, Keser Malchus, that these three Ksarim, Torah, and Kahuna Malchus, it all has to be saturated with the energy of Masim Tevim. And it has to be with devotion and dedication. It can't just be performer, it can't just be to check it off your list. Then it's Taka then it's higher. Then and only then is the true intention of Limit Hatera actually come to fruition. And if you're looking at allusions, you might say, And that's why this Mishnah is Yud Gimel, to, 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 to hint, that Rab Shimon Bar Yechai only came to this most essential and ultimate aspect of Torah, that is the Keser Shem of the Oilal Gabehen. In other words, the whole Keser of, of Torah only actually comes to its pinnacle through the Keser of Shem Tev. And this is something that the Rashbi only reached after Yud Gimel years in the Myra, in the cave, 
through the energy of Yud Gimel, which transcends Yud Beis. See if Yud Lazet is buyer Shaykhus Kolanal Lag Boimer, and now in a position to understand the connection between everything we've said and Lag Boimer. Isa B'Zayhar, B'Zayhar teaches Shabiyoyim is Al Kusay Gila Rashbi LeTalmidov Yachad Imzeshin is Ale BaAtzmay LaHasogay Hanalis BiYose BeRazan Daraisa Milin Kadishin Deloy Gilion Ad Hashata. Then Lag Boimer B'Zayhar says the Rashbi revealed to his students. On top of the fact that he himself reached the highest levels of the hidden aspects of the Torah, but he revealed to his students holy words that were not revealed until that point. And this is in consonance with the general novelty of the Rashbi, which was uh, in connection to the hidden aspects of the Torah. The rest of the Tanoim that were engaged in learning the esoteric, the hidden parts of the Torah, the secrets of the Torah, did not reveal these aspects of the Torah to other people. But the Rashbi was different because the whole Tnu of the Rashbi was to connect the hidden and revealed. He was the one that brought this hidden esoteric aspect of the Torah. He brought it from a place where it transcended possibility of being revealed in the Torah, in the world. He brought it from a place where it couldn't be revealed to a place where it was revealed. This is the ultimate synergy of what he himself could not fathom earlier, which is eternal life, spirituality, godliness, and and temporal fleeting life, meaning the physical existence. Connecting, fusing these two aspects, eternity, godliness, transcendence, and transience, and the fleeting and the ephemeral in this world, and this is the point of Parshas Bahar. Because in this parsha it's underscored that even when you're busy with artsius, with, with, with the material, the physical, the temporal, with teva, with nature, but it always has to be from a place and in a place of har you know, and Harsina is all about transcending this world and nature. Even more so, all of these discussions in this parsha that seem to be so connected to, to Eretz, Eretz Neshevis, and, and falling lower, it's all a chelak of Harsinai. It is, it is the way in which what happened in Harsinai comes to fruition. 
And this is recognized and comes to full expression at the very beginning of the Parsha. And we know that the beginning of the Parsha, Kalelas is Kola Parsha. The beginning of the Parsha, in, the Rebbe says, teaches always, encapsulates the whole Parsha. And we also see this expressed at the end of the Parsha. And the Rebbe never tired from a sighting from Gemara Brachas. That everything goes after the way it ends. So the Rebbe says we can see this expressed both at the very beginning and at the very end, which are the two most pivotal aspects. The beginning, we have a discussion about Shemitah. What's the novel thing of Shemitah? You're talking about farmers. You're talking about people that are busy and preoccupied with, with the earth. And he, he's so um, involved in this that, that, yes, he asks, what will I eat? If I can't work my land, what will I eat? But what does the Torah teach us? That even such a person, that even for him, this has to be a year of Shabbos Hashem in those days, Everyone that was involved in, in agriculture would go and study in the great yeshivas that whole year. Shana ba yuchal ismaser v'yismaser This would be a year dedicated practically to Har Sinai, to learning Torah. L'loi kol no worries. Is it going to rain? Are there going to be insects in my crops? No worries. That one year, even a regular farmer would become that would be his whole <coughs> preoccupation. And more subtly, Mayor Etzloy Shabbos Havaya. I'm sorry, Shem Havaya, Shabbos Lahashem, Shalemaila Mehateva. And so this is a tnua of transcending Teva, the Shem Havaya, not the Shem Elikim, but the Shem Havaya. That's at the beginning of the parsha. The Torah is teaching us, like um, Rabbi um, Svi Freeman brilliantly titled his book, um, "Be Within, Stay Above." So Rabbi says you, you have this at the beginning of parsha. Ubesiyim a parsha yeshna be'inizeh chiddush gadol yisa. And here we have even a bigger chiddush at the end. Shafilu adam kazeh hanim kol even a person that sold himself to a non-Jew. When you're talking about going lower, this is like as low as you could go. He becomes enslaved to a non-Jew. So much so that he even begins to wonder, maybe I should just be like my non-Jewish owner. But the terrorist says to this Jew, not only shouldn't you do what your non-Jewish owner is doing, the Torah is telling us nobody, nobody is a boss over a Jew when it comes to Torah mitzvahs. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic bracket. It doesn't matter your position. You could be this person's slave. There's still not a moshel on you when it comes to emitzes, but more aliyaseim is a ani Hashem neman l'shalim socha. At the end of our parsha, Hashem says, "I am Hashem, and I am trustworthy to give you the schar."
And if you look at footnote 78, So it talks only about even this Jew who came so low, Hashem is saying, I got your back and you can rely on me. And I'm not going to talk about punishment now. In Yitzchar Mitzvah Moira, the Indian of Aschar from Mitzvah Shul, Sha'or Ha'eloki Hanimshach Umizgali, the Kim Mitzvah's Meir Ba'adam Umizgala Etzloi Bahasaga. That the godly light that is drawn down through a mitzvah and is revealed through keeping a mitzvah irradiates and illuminates the person and is revealed. In his in his asaga in his grasp, I know this means Even a Jew who is sold to an Jew, he's able to elevate himself higher than the servitude le rabbi to his boss, Hashem, and come to a level of ani Hashem shem havaya that is that completely transcends teva. So. In case you were thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Parshas Bahar. And, oh, yeah, it's Lagba Emer this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, and a Shabbos, we sit down and say, Pirkei <laughs> No, 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 no. So wishing everybody a Freilicha Lagba Emer, a Freilicha week suffused with, with, with this energy of Lamayla Minateva. And again, the Sikha today was learned, was Chus Menucha Rachel Bas Yitzchak Yehuda. Wishing everybody all the best. Call Tov, unless somebody has something they want to say or ask. Thank you. Thank you very much. Call Tov, everybody. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you very much.